we are going to get right to it right now. We are going to rank our coaches list. It's going down our top 10. We're going to first attack 10 through 6. And Zach, you know, I would love to kind of feed off my criteria before we proceed to anything further. Now, Zach, I, I got to be real with you, man. When doing this coaching rankings, it was a little bit more easier than doing the quarterback rankings that we just did to me, right? Yeah. It, it wasn't like easy, easy, but it was easier because of the middle class of the NFC and all those quarterbacks that you had to just kind of like maneuver around. I think for me, the coaches list was easier, but it's very different from how I ranked my quarterback rankings. And I'm going to explain the difference right now. I mean, you're talking about what I prioritize when looking at who is the great head coach in the leagues, right? Um, Leadership, X's and O's, coaching staff, ecosystem, coaching tree, resume, game management. And it's funny, right? Because how do I manage all of those things in building this list, right? Because every coach have their strengths and weaknesses, right? Some coaches are players coaches. Some coaches are X's and O's, hands-on coaches. Some coaches are, you know, generally, you know, just different than other coaches. So the way how I was able to formulate mine is I think I got my top 10 and I think I'm, I'm settled on where I want to go. So, Zach, if you don't mind. I guess I'll just proceed forward with my top 10, 10 through 6. At number 10, this was very tough, but I'm going to go ahead and, and start where I made a name for myself, right? The 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 hot take Lil, right, from back in the day. Yes, I'm going here. Mike Tomlin, number 10, flat for me, right? And I kind of dialed it back a little bit, Zach, because at first I said he wasn't a top 10 coach anymore, right? And that was a... You can have him. Yeah, yeah. Me, listen, I am as well, but I have him in there because it wasn't about me trying to be on the mic spitting out hot takes, right? It wasn't about me trying to devalue his accomplishments. It was about me trying to tell people that he's not a top five coach in the league, and he's not. So we need to stop with that foolishness because he's not. What has he done recently to be known as a top five coaches? I'm looking at you know, lists around the internet, right? And I'm seeing him rank number three and four. How? So, yeah. Off the that's top why. Do you remember the last time he won a playoff game? Could you give me the year? I know it was six years ago. <laughs> 2017. Exactly. And, he, and somehow, on a lot of people's rankings, he's in the top five, three. Like, it's, it baffles my mind. But anyway, the reason why he's number 10 is because, you know, I still think he's a player's coach that everybody respects. And I did take that in consideration. You don't really hear nobody throwing Mike Tomlin under the bus or saying anything bad about him for the most part. You know, a lot of players, they want to play with Mike Tomlin or for Mike Tomlin, rather. And, you know, I respect that. You know, uh, some of the criteria in this list is, will I be willing to run through a brick wall for you? And I think, you know, Mike Tomlin, if I was a player for his team, I'd be willing to run through a brick wall for this guy and i think that that really matters and that's why he kind of shot up there to my top 10 but everybody's talking about bill belichick's job right oh he may get fired after this year but like you said this guy hasn't won a playoff game in six years literally and it got to the point where he actually is going to get an extension potentially he might get an extension not a firing and that's funny to me because you look at the Steelers organization and this is a very telling stat to me 
Mike Tomlin could go three and fourteen, and not only keep his job but get extended. The reason why is because out of fifty-four years, the last fifty-four years, there have only been three coaches that coached the Pittsburgh Steelers in the last fifty-four years. You know what that tells me, Zach? That number one, my guy Art Rooney, is just cool with being cool and not cool with being different. Ah, wordplay right there. He's cool with being cool, but he's not cool with being different. All right, he just loves to have that continuity, I guess you could say. You know, with coach and, and, and owner and all that, I get it. But man, three coaches in 54 years. I mean, you would assume they'd be doing a whole lot of winning. And I understand that the Steelers are known to be a winning franchise for the most part because of their history. But when you look at the present, they're not cutting it for me. And they shouldn't be cutting it for any Steelers fans. I mean, you go outside and you mention this guy, Matt Canada's name out there on the streets, you're getting tortured. All right. They'll bring your head back to your parents on a silver platter if you bring this cat up, Matt Canada. That's how much they hate him in Pittsburgh. But somehow he found his way to remain on this team when half of the league was getting rid of coordinators trying to upgrade and, and get the best offense they could out of their quarterbacks, the Ravens, the Chargers. I mean, the list goes on, right? Even the Cowboys, they got rid of Kellen Moore. We are trying to go in a different area and try to evolve, and yet you found it plausible, Mr. Mike Tomlin, all right, to get this guy back in town where he doesn't utilize the middle of the football field. Everything is up the sideline it's so outdated it's very not creative at all and it's like my talent why do you want to play the game on all madden for okay you got these innovators that's out here changing the game as we know it and yet you feel that it's plausible for you to roll out this rinky dink 1999 style you know football team and that's my problem with mike tomlin a lot of people think i hate on this guy i do not hate this guy Mike Tomlin, what's up, my dude? All right, we could go and get a drink at the bar. But I am telling you from a guy who values my own opinion in the game that he needs to step his game up, okay? He needs to evolve a little bit quicker for me. I feel sorry for Kenny Pickett. Zach believes in this guy. You know, I, I'm, in, I'm mid. I'm mid when it comes to Kenny Pickett. I'm mid, all right? But I can't even go with Zach here and go full throttle with this guy because Matt Canada is going to hold him back. So... That's why he's number 10. And number 9. That was a lot for Mike Tomlin, right? And number 9. I'm going to go <laughs> with John Harbaugh here at number 9. Not much separation for Mike Tomlin, right? Both, you know, you look at the head-to-head -head separated by a game. The playoff matches separated by a game, right? Um, one ring each, right? <laughs> um, same division, right? A lot of similarities, where is the difference? Where is that separation? And I said it before when I talked about these two cats. It's one word. I'm going to reiterate that word. Adaptability is why John Harbaugh is ahead of Mike Tomlin to me. And I could always respect somebody who's willing to be different and revolutionize the game. Take upon himself to say, I'm going to revolutionize the game. He did that so many times and he's doing it till this day. Let's go back to 2012. They fired offensive coordinator Cam Cameron and hired Jim Caldwell to open up the offense more. And Joe Flacco, the next year, succeeded spreading out the ball, you know, all across the football field, and they won playoff games. That sounds familiar, right? But before I get there and draw the comparison to the present day, we got more, right? So 
they drafted Lamar Jackson after the Joe Flacco era. And you got to give John Harbaugh and ownership credit for finding Lamar Jackson when it was 31 teams that passed on Lamar Jackson. Could have looked his way, didn't. And they decided to take that chance with him. And they drafted him. And he hired Greg Roman to create the most unique offense in the NFL. Nobody's seen that before. That's why a lot of people still questions Lamar Jackson is because it's like, how could you win watching the football like that? Right? That That's not what I know. I know the league to have the Peyton Mannings and the Tom Brady's and the Ben Roethlisberger and the Aaron Rodgers and the Patrick Mahomes. But you out here wanting the ball like that, that that's not sustainable. But they want an MVP. He won an MVP. Right? And when things got a little bit stale because, you know, things happen, things get stale over time, he fired Greg Roman. Unlike Mike Tomlin... Wasn't scared to pull the trigger. He could have made excuses. He could have said my quarterback missed 11 games the last two years. So I'm going to bring this guy back. He could have went back in his shell. But he decided that he wanted to take matters into his own hands to be adaptive and continuing to be adaptive. Okay. And he hired Todd Munkin who in this present day is installing a new offense that is going to look very, very different. From the offense we saw last year and the year before that and the year before that. So I'm not sure what to feel about the Ravens this year at all. I'm still going in my mind. Am I going to go with them number one? Am I going to go with them number two? Or are they going to be number three? I don't know. But what I do know is they're going to look very different. And John Harbaugh is always going to have his guys ready to play. Listen, it should have beat the Bengals with all due respect in the wild card. Okay. But my guy, Tyler Huntley, I said his name right for the first time. I'm on my A game today. He wanted Bro. to be a hero and, and, and um, you know, jump over the goal line and got the ball knocked out of his hands. And that's why they lost. It wasn't John Harbaugh. So I understand that we have our guy, Zay, who's going to watch this show, who was not a big John Harbaugh guy who's probably going to question why I even have him over Mike Tomlin. There's going to be a, a lot of other people who's sipping that Mike Tomlin Kool-Aid and saying, why does he have John Harbaugh over this guy? But John Harbaugh... It's not the reason why this team hasn't been getting the job done in the playoffs. He won playoff games with Joe Flacco. He never was one and done, right? There was one and done three times with Lamar Jackson. And Lamar Jackson, the last two years, was nowhere to be found. That's unprecedented circumstances for a coach to deal with when your franchise quarterback is missing games, especially in the playoffs. And his team has always been ready to play. So we'll see what happens this year. John Harbaugh was an easy number nine for me at this spot. And number eight. We're going to put some more pep in our step here. I'm going to go with, I'm going to go with, um, damn, this is tough. I'm going to go with Pete Carroll. I'm going to go with Pete Carroll at number eight. Um, I think he's very, how can I say? He's very unappreciated, right? I think a lot of people, when you talk about coaches, and we'll see where Zach had Pete Carroll, right? If he has him in the top ten or not. You know, that's yet to be seen. We're going to figure that out. But I feel like a lot of people, they don't really value Pete Carroll the way they should. Why, right? It's because of one decision he made in the Super Bowl. That, that's the reason yeah, why. Literally. literally. And it was a terrible decision. We know that. They should have ran the ball with Marshawn Lynch. We get it. They was lynching the media, right? No pun intended because of that call. But, you know, at the end of the day, here we are. And here he is, right? Number one, he brings you a winner's resume. That's number one. He brings you a winner's resume. Everywhere, college, NFL, he has won. He's a good coach. Number two, he brings you that longevity. He brings you that 
okay, 13 years coaching the Seattle Seahawks, the most years on the current team in the NFC type of longevity, right? Last year might have been his best coaching job on top of that. Like last year was amazing. I mean, nobody expected them to win more than four games. I think five games, he was pushing it. And they won more than five games. They made the playoffs last year. And they resurrected Geno Smith's career. That got to be talked about a lot. Because Geno Smith was in the league for 10 years. Everybody forgot about this cat. And yet he was able to construct a, a, a team around him to get the best out of him. It took three you know, um, teams and different coaches to get that out of him. And Pete Carroll was the guy to get that out of him. And not only that, we saw Russell Wilson, who was subtracted from this team, struggle. Okay, struggle. Didn't even look like a, a, a mid-quarterback. He looked like a bottom echelon quarterback. If, if that was Russell Wilson's rookie season, we would have been like, pack this guy up. He's Nathan Peterman all over again. Nathan Peterman 2.0. Pack this guy up. But unfortunately, he wasn't a rookie last year. And we saw what we saw with Russell Wilson with Pete Carroll. Making Super Bowls. Winning a Super Bowl. Almost winning another Super Bowl. And I just love the fact that they was able to draft a lot of rookies last year. And give them playing time last year. The, the Seahawks was a very young team. They still are a very young team. And they got the most out of those guys to play day one. And now those guys are only going to be more experienced in year two. So um, they have a very explosive offense. The only thing that I would say that I don't like about Pete Carroll, and it's just one thing, is that I really feel that he's too conservative. We know he loves to run the football. That's his bread and butter. He's going to stick to it. But you have a lot of weapons here with DK Metcalf, Smith Najigba, and also Tyler Lockett. And you got a guy with a rocket. And Geno Smith, who could throw the ball deep. So I expect to see this offense very, very explosive. And once again, I think Pete Carroll is going to do an amazing coaching job. You know, he survived through the Legion of Boom. He survived through the Russell Wilson era. Now he's with the Geno Smith era. 13 years and still on strong. He has to make my list. I can't do no wrong by having him at number eight. Pete Carroll is number eight. At number seven, I'm going to go with Nick Sariani at number seven. He coached the team to the Super Bowl. Got to give him credit. The Eagles became the first team this offseason, nearly three decades, in nearly three decades, to lose both coordinators to head coaching jobs after the Super Bowl visit. So um, basically, he's jump-starting his coaching tree right there. And that's a byproduct, a byproduct of Sirianni and how he was able to get those guys head coaching jobs, right? You know, um, I actually think Stane Station did a... How can I say it? Stane Station actually was a better version of offensive coordinator for the Eagles than Frank Wright was when that team went on that run. You know, I actually think so. I think this was 2.0 of that. And you have to give Nick Sariani credit. Gannon should have got a job after last year's Super Bowl performance and how his defense got shut down, but he got a job. Now, one of the things that I like about Sariani too is his personality. I think it really fits the Philly market. His upbeat, you know, a player's coach personality. It fits the market of Philly. Philly is rah-rah. It's that town that you have to be a grown man with a strong, with a strong defense mechanism to not fold under pressure in that market. And they bullied him from day one when they first saw him at the press conference, right? And he was able to withstand that and show why he's amongst one of the best coaches in the league 
And I like the fact that he's not scared to go for the analytics. He's not scared to go for the fourth downs. I mean, to be honest with you, nobody went for it more on fourth down last year than Sirianni. And he proven, he's proven that you can run analytics to the Super Bowl. A lot of people talk about Brandon Staley. Analytics? I don't like it. I love it. Nah, well, guess what? He ran analytics to the Super Bowl. And in fact, you know, he was doing it in the Super Bowl. And the moment he stopped doing it is while he lost. Think about it, right? They was um, down 28 to 27 with 10 minutes left to go in the fourth quarter. And they was on the, I believe it was fourth and three from the Eagles 32-yard line. And instead, they punted the ball back to Patrick Mahomes. And they didn't even get the ball to Patrick Mahomes because Kadarius Tony took it 65 yards. That was a mistake. Okay? He should have went for it. He should have followed the analytics to the depth of him. Okay? And he didn't, and that's why they lost. But um, you can make the argument, too, that Jalen Hurts' fumble was the reason why they lost that Super Bowl because um, no defense was getting stops. Both offense was, um, offenses was prepared and, and going tit for tat. It was that one fumble, too, that caused him to fumble. And the special teams is why they lost that Super Bowl. But um, he still did a good coaching job. You got to go Nick Sirianni there. I think the Eagles are in prime position to continue to contend in the NFC. And that's why Nick Sirianni is number six for me. And that's it. So to recap my list, I'm going to go with Mike Tomlin, number 10. John Harbaugh, number nine. Number eight, we have Pete Carroll. Number seven, we have Nick Sirianni. I got one more, Zach. I'm not done yet. Sean Payton. Sean Payton, number six. I'm going to go with Sean Payton. Now, I'm going to start off with the bad. There's one bad with Sean Payton that I didn't really like. Drew Brees retired, he jetted. I don't like that. At least Mike Tomlin stick around. Right? At least he stuck around after Ben Wattlesberger retired. At least Bill Belichick stuck around after Tom Brady retired. He jetted up out of there. He was like, this team is in salary cap hell. I'm out of here. But I do think that this year is going to be very telling on Sean Payton's legacy. He's coaching for his legacy outside of Drew Brees. Because he's always going to be married to Drew Brees. As far as not only their partnership, but their legacies together. And now this is his prime opportunity to build on a legacy without Drew Brees right there, right? Um, I think when you talk about the fact that they won nine games after Drew Brees, nobody talks about that job enough. I think he did a very good under-the-radar coaching job in 2021 after Drew Brees retired, right? They won nine games, and... Their starting quarterback went down Jameis Winston. And prior to that, it's funny because a lot of people's asking, can Sean Payton fix Russell Wilson, like Bob the Builder? Can he fix him? Well, he fixed Jameis Winston for the most part, right? They were 5-2 and two at one point. Jameis Winston threw 14 touchdowns, only three interceptions. So he was building back Jameis Winston's career. Unfortunately, he tore his ACL. You know, Sean Payton retired. That was the end of his career pretty much as a starter. Right, he's a backup now, and you can make the argument that if none of those things happen, Jameis Winston probably will still be a starting quarterback in this league today. So he has shown me that he can fix guys. When Drew Brees, when he took that job in 2006, I believe there was a lot of questions with Drew Brees because of his arm shoulder. He had a very bad shoulder injury that could cost him his career, and he fixed him and he got him back on track. Can he do the same thing with Wilson Wilson? I have no clue. I don't even think Wilson Wilson has a lot in him left. I think he's declined. I'm very public on the record when it comes to how I feel he's declined in his career. But 
if there's one guy that can fix him, it's Sean Payton. And we're going to talk about his comments recently later on in regards to Nathaniel Hackett. But the reason why, and I'm going to just give you a little preview, the reason why I don't have an issue with it is because he's a pro's coach. He knows how an organization is supposed to be ran. He knows that Russell Wilson is not bigger than the football team. He knows Russell Wilson, just like any other quarterback, needs to be coached. And I feel that he's going to stand there with his play sheet and his juicy fruit. He's going to call plays. And we'll see if that translates to anything with the Broncos this year. So to recap my list, at number 10, I have Mike Tomlin. At number 9, I have John Harbaugh. At number 8, I have Pete Carroll. At number 7, I have Nick Sariani. At number 6, I have Sean Payton. Zach, the mic is yours. Wow. So a couple of things. All of a sudden, I'm really intrigued by the rest of your list because uh, some good names. But there were a few names uh, that you mentioned that I do not have in my top 10. So I'm really looking forward to getting into this. And also, I'm interested by the fact that uh, you thought that this was easier than the quarterback was. Because for me, this was a little harder. Because I remember, I believe it wasn't last offseason, but it was two offseasons ago. We did this exercise. And I remember like making that list. I was like, man, like there are a few guys in the top 10 that I'm putting here that I don't even feel that comfortable with. Like they were a little unproven at the time, but for me in this way, it was the opposite. There were two or three guys that didn't even make my top 10 that I highly considered that I would have, if you would have just asked me off the bat, like, is this guy a top 10 coach? I would have said yes, but they're not because there are 10 better coaches than them. It's that simple. And for a preview, like, yeah, Mike, Mike Tomlin's in that category. He did not make my top 10. Um, I, he's one of those guys where I feel very comfortable with him leading my team on a certain on any certain Sunday, especially when the Steelers are an underdog. I think that's the position he thrives in best. He knows how to get his team up for a big game. But you said it, man. If you are if you haven't won a playoff game in six years, you're not making this list. I'm, I'm sorry. It's that simple, especially with the quality of coaches. A couple other names um, that you didn't mention uh, that didn't make either of our list. Mike McDaniel was a name that just missed my top 10. Everything that he did in his first year in Miami, how he uh, helped two in that offense. He was a guy that just missed. Sean McDermott of Buffalo, we know that he's led them to the playoffs multiple times over the course of the past few years. He just missed my list as well. But without further ado, there are a couple names. Uh, I, I don't want to give anything away. Uh, so there were a few that missed that missed mine that made yours, and we'll debate them uh, after we get into this. But I'm going to go with Sean Payton at number 10 uh, on my list to start us off. And to start, like I'll just say like there are three, four guys in this uh, 10 through 6 range that when you look at their resume, it's pretty similar. Like Each of them have won a Super Bowl. I had a kind of a hard time differentiating them. But my criteria is very simple. How comfortable and how confident am I in you being the guy running my sideline for a full season? That's really my main criteria. And with resumes, coaching trees, a lot of it, that, of course, has to, uh, to, has to do with why I'm putting these guys here. But with Sean Payton, you said a lot of it. Like, I never remember a coach being hired specifically just to fix one player in particular. But it was a move that trade the Broncos had to make with all of Russell Wilson's struggles. And it's safe to say, if Sean Payton can fix Russell Wilson, then no one will be able to fix Russell Wilson. But I do look back at Sean Payton's time in New Orleans, and I do wonder, like, man, should the Saints have gotten one, maybe two more Super Bowl rings, if not just a Super Bowl appearance in the time when they had one of the best quarterbacks and one of the best coaches in the league at their disposal? Of course, you could point to that controversial uh, no-call pass interference in the NFC Championship game against the Rams. But 
him just complaining and complaining and complaining after, I didn't think that was a great look. I, I think that really helped and guided the Saints' focus towards that for the majority of next season instead of the team they actually had. And they lost to Kirk Cousins at home in a playoff game in one of the more disappointing playoff losses I ever remember with the game that uh, with, the, with the way that game ended up going. And I'm not a thousand percent confident that he's going to be able to fix Denver. I, I, I think it was the right hire, but with Russell Wilson and how poorly he looked last year, if you're trading a first round pick for a coach, you want to have mega confidence that he could fix a guy, especially a guy you just paid a ton of money to, especially a guy you just gave up a ton of draft picks for. And I can't confidently say that. I've always thought Sean Payton was a little bit overrated. I'll still show him my respect by putting him in the top 10, but it just goes to show you, man, like this list was really hard and there are a lot of really good names. And there were even some really good names that missed the list, but I'll have Sean Payton at number 10. And number nine, I'll go with the first guy that you didn't have mentioned. And I'm curious if this guy's in your top five or if he just missed the list period. And that's Doug Peterson of the Jaguars. I was very impressed with what this guy was able to do in only his first year in Jacksonville and just fixing Trevor Lawrence. And we all know that Trevor Lawrence is a quarterback with a ton of upside uh, that really, for the majority of his college career, even going back to his high school career, was considered the chosen one, the next Peyton Manning. And he finally looked like that guy in Jacksonville with Doug Peterson last year. We know everything that he did in Philly, winning a Super Bowl with Nick Foles. And uh, a lot of people, including both of us, are going to be really high on Jacksonville. I think their head coach has a lot to do with that. And I'm curious to see, when you're looking at the teams in the AFC for the next three to five years, that could really go toe-to-toe with Kansas City and challenge the best of the best, I would put Jacksonville right at the top of that category. And their head coach and their quarterback, of course, has a lot to do with it. But one more thing on Doug, it was just so impressive how he was able to come into Jacksonville. And I know we look at Jacksonville with Trevor Lawrence as a really good situation now, but that's because of Doug Peterson. We know what happened with Urban Meyer and just the disaster, disaster fashion that franchise was looking at when he first got there. And uh, I've said it a lot prior to Doug getting there, like Jacksonville, it was a place just known for losing. As soon as you enter, you just smell losers. But that's not the case with Doug Peterson anymore. When you hire a Super Bowl winning coach, that's something that could fix that. I'll have Doug Peterson at number nine. At number eight, I'll have the same guy you had at number eight. I'll go with Pete Carroll of the Seahawks. And honestly, I wanted to rank him higher, but there were just so many good guys that I, I couldn't do it. But man, Pete Carroll, what a coach, what a job this guy did last year. I agree with you. I think last year and the fact that he did it when he was over the age of 70, we say it all the time, of course, on the show. It's not 1999 anymore. Pete Carroll, I know he likes to run the ball a lot, but he, I think he got that memo and uh, everything he did last year with Geno Smith, developing him. Uh, Seattle's just a great organization. He has a lot to do with that. You're getting stability. And uh, when you look at the NFC, uh, I, I believe you hinted at it, right? Uh, when you talked about Seattle and uh, possibly getting Taylor, like uh, Seattle's a team I love. I'm very high on them this year. Pete Carroll, Geno Smith, they have a lot to do with that. And this guy, man, he knows talent. Like he dumped Russell Wilson when not a lot of people were okay with that. There were plenty of Seahawks fans that thought their franchise was over when that trade was made. They wanted to keep Russell Wilson over Pete Carroll. Thank God John Schneider and the Seahawks brass did not do that and they kept their head coach loyalty to a guy that uh, you know will give you stability that's always a good thing i'll have pete carroll at number eight i'll go john harbaugh at number seven another guy you had on your list it you know resume isn't everything but at the end of the day this guy has won road playoff games in new england he's won road playoff games in pittsburgh he's won road playoff games in denver and he should have won a road playoff game this past year in cincy the thing about baltimore that's so interesting to me is 
they're one of these teams where we don't exactly know what they're going to look like this year. There are a ton of ifs. But one if I could confidently say is that when Lamar Jackson and the Ravens are playing at their absolute best, they could beat anyone in the league at any time. And, of course, their quarterback and their head coach has a lot to do with that. He is one of the longer-tenured coaches in the league. I believe Belichick, of course, is by far and away the longest-tenured coach with Tomlin, Harbaugh right behind him. There's a reason why he's won a Super Bowl, just like the uh, first three guys I mentioned on the list. I'll have John Harbaugh at number seven. And again, those four guys right off the top, Peyton, Doug Peterson, Pete Carroll, John Harbaugh, very, very difficult for me to put those guys in order, considering each of them have won a Super Bowl. Each of them are really good coaches, but the, the lines are just that thin. It's super difficult doing a list like this, but I'll have John Harbaugh at number seven. At number six, I'll have the only guy in this category that hasn't won a Super Bowl, but I do think based on everything that he's done since arriving in, in his organization, he deserves a spot on this list. I think you could even make a case he deserves to be higher, but I'll have Mike Vrabel at number six for now. I think everything that he's done in Tennessee since he's got there has been super impressive. The Titans have felt like, to me, a team that has just overachieved and overachieved each year that he's been there. Even this past year, the fact that they got off to such a hot start, and I know it didn't end well, but with Josh Dobbs as his quarterback against Trevor Lawrence and Doug Peterson, another top 10 coach on this list for me, they were right there in that playoff game until the end. Lawrence made a couple plays late to give Jacksonville the win. But Tennessee, especially after the Hopkins signings, they're one of those teams that I just wanted to declare dead. I wanted to declare irrelevant. I think Ryan Tannehill is a lame duck quarterback. I think this team's window to win anything has slammed shut. But at the end of the day, they do have some talent. And more importantly, they do have Mike Vrabel as their head coach. And when you have this guy, you're going to have a chance to win any game you play. That's really the main criteria for me, Will, in this list. If any of you guys on this list are my coach, are you going to give my team a chance to win basically any game at any time just a chance even when everything's going wrong even when your quarterback is hurt even when your whole offensive line is out even when your whole defense is out like do you just give my team a chance to win especially when things are going south i'll have mike vrabel at number six to recap my 10 through six i'll go mike uh, sean payton excuse me at 10 doug peterson at nine p carroll at eight john harbaugh at seven and mike vrabel at six i'll throw the mic back to you yeah so i would like to respond to that quickly before we had to have time i want to start off where you left off since it's fresh in our minds mike vrabel now there were three coaches that barely missed my top 10 and i'm going to explain those three coaches right now brian dable was one um doug peterson no 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 not doug peterson no no, no. he didn't barely make my list right um it was brian dable who's the other guy i'm looking for bill's coach sean mcdermott and Mike Vrabel was the third coach that Billy missed my list. And, you know, I thought about putting him into the top 10. I didn't really look at it from the Super Bowl aspect. You know, he doesn't have a ring. The other guys do. I, I didn't really – I tried not to. Like, I don't really think I really put much emphasis on rings because it is a coach that I have in my top five that didn't win a ring yet. So I didn't really, like, factor in the rings – I'm not mad at you putting him in the top 10. I think six is a little bit, it's a little bit shocking a little bit. I don't think you could go sure. wrong there. Like, I'm not going to lose my head over it. But, you know, I just barely had him miss in my top 10 because it's really hard to explain why. Like, what's the knock on him not being in the top 10? Because it's not a knock. He's a good coach. He always has his team ready to play. And the way how you formulated your criteria, like, I could understand why you had him that high because you said that whoever gives my 
team a chance to win on any given Sunday. That's what I'm rocking with. So in that way, Mike Vrabel is top 10 in that regards, right? He just fell a little bit short on my end, not for, like I said, any specific reason. It's just the guys that I had over him, I just felt more confident about. I still think that um, when you look at him, he did some good things. I mean, let's go back to 2019. They made the AFC Championship game, right? Let's go to 2021. Despite having the most players injured due to COVID and injury, they had the number one seed. And they lost Derrick Henry week eight. And for half of the season, they lost him, and they still was able to secure the number one seed. They went to the Rams immediately after losing Derrick Henry, and the Rams was a Super Bowl hopeful team with um Matthew Stafford, and they dominated them on primetime television. Yeah. And, um, you know, yes, I understand Ryan Tannehill threw three interceptions against the Bengals. They can never recover from that. But I, I thought I, I definitely remember coming on the show and airing out Mike Vrabel as well. So yeah. I know that his coaching, because I think he got too conservative. You know, he didn't give the ball. Year or in years past? No, I'm talking about in that game in particular, you know, where they lost to the Bengals. And, you know, yes, we got on Ryan Tannehill for throwing the three interceptions. I just thought in that game he was too conservative, and um, that's why he lost that game. So I, I remember airing him out on that show along with Ryan Tannehill. I remember me and my cousin, we was going back and forth about who was to blame the most. Um, because of that loss. So that was a that was only the blemish that I could remember with him. Um, I thought he did a, a good job when they started that rebuilding contending situation. C competitive rebuild is what they call it. Last year when they traded AJ Brown and then his starting quarterback got hurt, and then he was rocking with the 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 signing emergency quarterback, and you know, they almost they almost won the game, right? They they took the Jaguars to the wire to get into the playoffs. Now, I'm not sure what to expect with the Titans this year. You know, I don't I don't really have high hopes for them. You know, they added D-Hop. Woo! Like, come on. It's not 1999 anymore. He's not that great anymore, right? He's still nice, but he's not that great. Um, I just don't know in today's, you know, situation and climax where they are going with this competitive rebuild that is going to make his coaching job a little bit more easier for me to have him in my top 10 right now. And that's exactly why he barely missed my top 10. Yeah, it's interesting because that's kind of the thing with Tennessee. He almost reminds, like this might sound crazy, but my critiques of him would be about him via a general manager. Like I, the, I thought it was very sketchy that the Titans were in a playoff spot and fired their general manager, John Robinson, just midway through the season. I know the timing of it was interesting when they traded A.J. Brown. He roasts them for like three touchdowns and 150 yards, and then immediately they fire the GM. I thought that was a little bit of a power play by Vrabel, and I have no idea if he's as good of a GM as he is a head coach, but the bottom line is he earned that job by everything he did as a head coach on the field. And my worry with Tennessee is if I were them, I would just want them to play Will Levis as soon as possible and learn as much as you, uh, as you can about him and – uh I think it would be best long-term for them not to make the playoffs to rebuild, maybe take a year. And uh, with Jacksonville, like I even, even at their best, like I don't think they could challenge them as, as the top team in that division. But my worry is that I think Vrabel, especially after the Hopkins signing, this is when I started thinking about it. Like he is such a good coach where he could just win nine, 10 games out of nowhere with this Titan team because he's that good. And long-term that might not necessarily be the best thing for them. Uh, but 
This team has some talent left. I'm curious to see how their season goes. Vrabel is one of those guys where even if I might not necessarily be high on his team this year, I have that much respect for him as a coach. I think he deserves a spot in the top 10. And honestly, if you would have asked me before, like, would you have had him not on the, in the top 10 completely or in the top five? I would have guessed top five, but you always are surprised when we do things, you know? No, nah, I mean, look, it's a lot of coaches, right? And, um, you know, I still think he's a very good coach. If we did this last year, he would have been probably where you had him. You know, he would probably be around that seven, you know, eight last year for me. But because this year, you know, and where they headed right now, you know, I don't think he's going to have the success that he once had. And I think he's probably going to be overshadowed by these guys that we have coming up right now. And one of those guys that we have coming up, even though he's already he already came up, he's coming back, is Sean Payton. I want to re-up with you on Sean Payton because you had him number 10. And, you know, when you talk about coaches, number 6 and number 10 couldn't be far too different. I understand that it looks like as close as it's really not. Like 6 and 10 when ranking coaches is very different. So I kind of want to talk about this right now with Sean Payton, even though we're probably going to talk about him later on in the show. I think for me, you said it. You know, when you have an organization trade for a coach, because very rare we see trades for a head coach in the NFL. Matter of fact, up to this year, there were some people that didn't even know that you could do that, that you could trade for a head coach prior John, John to uh, John Gooden was one, but it really doesn't happen frequently like that, right? And, you know, I guess I got a question, but let me finish my take and then I have a take question at the end. So I'm glad you brought up John Gooden because it's going to actually formulate my question. But when you talk about Sean, right, the fact that they traded all they traded to have him fix Russ and that was a guy they called and they wanted him out of all the guys that they could have potentially went with. Now, I understand, I believe they wasn't, he wasn't their first choice. They went, um, you know, the dude from Michigan, Jim Harbaugh, and they wanted and another dude and beat D'Amico. Yeah. They wanted D'Amico. They wanted to go young, but it was like, listen, Sean Payton is not a bad idea. I think anytime you have a team that's willing to do that, it speaks a lot about your track record and how you're able to fix quarterbacks. I think when you talk about the sacred position that's known to be a quarterback in the NFL, the most important position in the NFL. It's like that's a real good achievement on your resume that, A, I was able to get a guy like Drew Brees who a lot of people came at his physical attributes. He didn't have the strongest arm. He didn't have the size. He was coming off a big, massive career, almost ending, altering injury. And I was able to win a Super Bowl with this guy, win plenty of playoff games with this guy, had opportunities to win more championships, fell a little bit short with this guy. And I was able to fix, you know, not even fix, but. When he went down, Teddy Bridgewater, we won games. There was one time when he went undefeated with Teddy B for like five, six games. And then I was able to win nine games with Taysom Hill. And, um, you know, because Jameis Winston went down. I fixed him when he was there. And then he went down. I was able to win with a lot of different quarterbacks and protégés. And I think that really is a very elite thing to have on your resume. And that's why, despite him taking last year off, and I understand that taking a year off, it kind of brings that recency, you know, observation. All right, you know, these are the guys that I know of today. Can Sean Payton work his magic again a year later? But I really feel confident in his ability. But like I said, when you look at Russell Wilson, I'm not that confident. But lately, I've been feeling a little bit more 
Like, mm, should I really, really dive into the Broncos a little bit more? Right? That's what I've been feeling the last couple weeks as I'm hearing Sean Payton come out and talk about how bad last year was and, and all that. So I'm paying a little bit more attention to the Broncos right now, mainly and only because of Sean Payton. If it wasn't Sean Payton, I would count this team off already. <laughs> Russell Wilson is, is shot. They're last place. But because of Sean Payton, I'm watching them more. And that's why he's there. But, Zach, I got a question for you as you respond to everything that I, you know, talked about. When you talk about John Gruden, that was a trade for a head coach. I'm glad you brought that up. Do you think that Sean Payton is going to come back into the league and not rework his magic like how John Gruden came back in the league and wasn't able to really fully duplicate his success prior to his retirement? I think it's a good question. And it's crazy because you said um, you were happy I brought up Gruden. I'm going to go right back at you. I'm, I'm very happy you brought up the fact that he was not the Broncos' first choice. And that was a little weird to me. Like, if you remember throughout the season, every time a team was losing a big game or a frustrating game and it's like, oh, we might have to fire our coach, everyone is like, oh, Sean Payton. That's the guy you want to bring in as our guy, Dujene, a guy very familiar with Sean Payton during his time in New Orleans, checks in. Yeah. Um I was just very surprised. Like I thought a team was going to throw like a crazy amount of money at Sean Payton and he was going to be able to choose where he wanted to go. Right. Like I thought Denver was going to want him. I thought the chargers might want him Arizona. Like I thought all these teams were going to be throwing money at him and he was going to be able to choose wherever he wanted to go, but he only really had one choice and he only retired for one year. He retired from the saints, took one year off. And now immediately he's back in the league. I was just a little sketched out by that. Like why didn't, any other teams want him like I know the Chargers are very cheap but why didn't they go all out for him why didn't Denver want him originally as their first hire so those were the things I was a little bit confused by I think the situation is going to have a lot to do with it I don't think he's going to be the guy we saw in New Orleans but I, I do think he could fix Russell Wilson a bit I just man it's after what I saw from Russ last year it's hard for me to fully buy in on him being anywhere close to the guy we saw in Seattle but if Sean Payton is as good as a lot of people make him out to be, it's possible. Like, that's my thing, man, is I just, going back to his time in New Orleans, I was never as high on Sean yeah. Payton as everyone else was. And, and you know that very well. But uh, if I wasn't that high on him in New Orleans, I'm not going to be off the wall for him in Denver. But if he was with the Chargers right now, I think there's a chance I feel differently. You know, that that's how much situation matters. So um, I'll have him at number 10. I'll give him his respect by ranking him in this list after he's been uh, out of the league for a year. But I'm not going to lie. I, I, I go back and forth on this one. I do. I don't really feel very strongly in one particular direction on Sean Payton and Denver. Yeah, and I think it just sums up the conversations we've had since the Cortland days about where we valued Sean Payton around the league. There was one time I was debating whether this cat was better than Andy Reid at one point. Belichick, Andy Reid at that time, and um, Sean Payton, you know, who's number two? Because at that time, it was Belichick number one. Is number two Sean Payton, you know, because he was winning games with Drew Brees and playoff games, or number two, is it Andy Reid? So I think, you know, he dropped, obviously, on mine. He dropped, obviously, on yours. And one thing I will say is that low-key, I feel that the Saints situation that he ran away from was low-key, is low-key better than where he ran to, if you ask me. You know, you right. talk about the weapons and all that, but, you know, you think, he's still a good coach. Right. Do you think when he retired – if you were to tell him a year later he would be the head coach of the Denver Broncos, who are – I know they have Russell Wilson, but they're just – they were so desperate for a quarterback, and after Hackett and everything that happened with him, that was not 
looking like a great situation. I would have been very surprised if you told me that's where he would have ended up, especially a year after he left, you know? Yeah. But here we are, Zach. You know, these things happen. And once again, Sean Payton is going to have to rewrite what he did back in 2006. This is the same thing. This is history repeating itself. But will we get the same result is the question we have yet to see. And ladies and gentlemen, we're going to go to halftime here. And when we come back from halftime, five through number one, head coaches is going down. We are ranking them. We are stacking them up. We are lining them up right now here on 99 Pod. So make sure you keep it locked. We'll be right back in a few minutes. Please like and subscribe for all the up-to-date content. We're we're slinging shows left and right, slinging content left and right. Please don't miss anything. If you do, like, subscribe, leave a comment, leave a question, something you may want to answer, something you may have. All ideas are great ideas. Nothing's a dumb question. 